How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the NHL playoffs on the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, in studio for this edition, not from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, did you notice that I actually flubbed that real quick? Yeah, because it's not, as always, <laughs> it is a true. very special episode of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. It's true. But you know what? I think for me, it's just such a force of habit, right? Because, you know, you're in Calgary every time that we record, except for last time we recorded, you were in Victoria. Man, that did not end up... That went so hard. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And you know, I think the thing for myself is that even editing that, you can tell that we were... It, 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 it was it, technical it, troubles. It was technical troubles. It wasn't on our end. But you know what? I got through it. And it actually sounded pretty good. It did, for yeah, what it was. Because I, I, I was really worried about that one, to be frank. So I gave it a listen. It's like, oh, no, Tay rescued it. We're good. Yeah. I mean, thank God for editing, right? Because there was like a lo- there were some moments in there where it's like a four to five to six second delay where you didn't hear me and I didn't hear you. And yeah. Like, well, it's like I was just trying to figure out, did he say- well, what would happen is that would be the time it would take for the garbled sound to catch up so i'd have to be listening because whatever you were saying uh zoom would try to like get it in really quick and uh, get everything resynchronized so it was like uh oh I, I gotta be listening carefully because there's been a gap not taste thinking it's taste said something and it's gonna be and i'll have to figure out what that is yeah that's like you know what you know what reminds me of when ever when we interviewed ron Tognat. oh my god because on his end Remember, it was always technical difficult get that technical difficulties on his end, and we're, I'm watching him on this on the Zoom call, and it's kind of like almost on a delay where it's like, ah, 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 and we're like, okay. Well, what was funny is it eventually worked itself out. Yeah. Like by the end of the interview, whatever was going on with this internet had abated. But uh, yeah, you're saying by the time that William he was on William thought he had better internet. Yeah. Unless, of course, he didn't. And that's just Craig Medaglia as a freaking wizard. You know, I would, I could believe both. Yeah. I could believe that both would happen. I mean, you know, we've, we've interviewed Tugger and we've interviewed Craig. So I would believe that. Yeah. Cause like, apparently, he was saying that he edited a bit, that video of him getting hit in the nuts so you could actually see what was happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Now, actually, speaking of Wally and the thought, now, I don't know if you saw on Wally's Twitter page, I think he either took a golf ball or a golf club to the face. Oh, no. I think it was him and his kid had gone golfing, and all I responded with was, well, that depends. Did you get hit in the nuts by an Eric Carlson fastball? <laughs> he didn't respond. So weird. It is, but you know what? Wally's a great guy. Yeah. Hopefully we got to get him on the show one day, Tim. Mm-hmm. I think I see him on that list. Oh, no, he's not, but he should be. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Just pencil him in. No one will know. I know. Do that with stuntman's dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. So, Tim, I'm really excited that you and I can get together today in studio to record because this is the final edition for the 2021 NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup Finals edition. This is going to be a short episode because, like, but the last one we were doing, like, seven-game series each time, we got five. And one of the games, there is nothing to say. Yeah, there was really 
yeah, there was just... I don't know what you want us to say about those games, really. I mean, and for this episode, we are going to be doing re- game recaps. Yep. Like we promised. But yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, in the last episode that we did, we did talk about games... Or sorry, we talked about series that went seven games, and they were great series. Mm. So I'm really happy that it turned out as good as it will. And actually, in fairness, the 2021 playoffs was probably one of the most compelling playoff series until the finals until the final it was one of the most compelling playoff years because honestly with the pandemic they weren't doing it by conference they're doing it by division and we'll quickly segue into this because i was thinking about this today when Mm. i was looking through my notes even though for next year like we are going to be going back to the conference format what did you think about the division playoff format i know like we do with the divisions through the conferences but they kind of just eliminated the conference portion yeah. and kept the division portions because it gave us a really interesting playoff series. Well, it's like I think that I don't. I like the division format where you have the the middle game is the divisional game and the first is division head versus wild card. I think that works. Yes, they might be able to get something a bit more rival building if they went did like the full divisional format. But I think I do like the wild card system instead of a strict four and four. Because with a strict 4-4, four and four, you're going to get more things like, here's the 18th place Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Granted, it was a really funny story. It was. But that shit shouldn't happen. Yeah. Now, I think for myself, like when I look at, at this, I'm more referring to the fact that we had playoff series that, unless they met in the Stanley Cup Finals, was never going to happen. Like we saw the Vegas Gold Knight play the Montreal Canadiens in the third round. That kind of stuff's really interesting to me. And I know that, yeah, the conferences are really good. But, man, the storylines were so interesting to talk about. Especially because, again, you were seeing playoff series that were would only happen in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the finals, you're talking about two teams who are in the same, same division. Con- yeah. Same co- conference, same division. That would never happen unless they played in, like, the first two rounds. Yeah. But then again, like, in a normal year, they would be in this they would have knocked each other up in the first two years. Sorry, in the first two rounds, because, yeah, Montreal and Tampa are both in the Atlantic Division. This year, there was no Atlantic Division. It was just the North. It was just the North and the East. Something like that. Yeah, there was was the four divisions. There was... North, East, Central, and West. Yeah. Which just worked. It worked. But, ah, man. I am so looking forward to have a cross-divisional play again. Mm-hmm. Because by game five of playing against the Maple Leafs, it was getting a little boring. You know what's funny? And that's the one thing that I don't know if we really talked about it in the in our last season, was that I was just kind of burnt out on the North Division after a couple of weeks. Because for me, how many times can we really see McDavid and Dreisaitl own us in the, in the games? How many times can we really watch the same six teams? And even talking to, and it's funny because I was talking to Chris Katugas about this, and I says, "Can you imagine, for what, 50, 40, 50 years when there only was, was six, six teams? teams? Well, they they also only, they didn't play fifty games. I think they played thirty. Uh, no, no, no I, they didn't. No, they played uh, over fifty games. Okay, so that must have been. I, I think depending on the year, I think. Yeah. I'll, I'm obviously I don't have the stats in front of me, but yeah, you have to go back to like the fifties and sixties, the pre. Expansion years. years, yeah, they were still playing well over 
50 games. Like, you're playing probably mid-60s, I would say. That's a pretty fair estimate. That's a lot to be save, seeing the same six teams. Like, you'd probably get bored of the New York Rangers. Yeah, but it's true, though. Like, you know, and even back in the day of the original sex, it was always, like, the bottom three teams were always the same. It was always either the Rangers were probably last plays, the Blackhawks were probably there, the Bruins were probably there. But, yeah, it really depended on the year, right? But, yeah, how many times could you really watch Montreal-Toronto for, like, the 15th time in a season? Yeah. It's funny how few of those expansion teams are actually still among us. Yeah. Like, well, they they ended up becoming different names. Like, the California Golden Seals moved. Colorado Rockies moved. New Jersey Devils. New Jersey Devils. Yeah, they are the New Jersey Devils now. Uh, The Scouts didn't last very long now, did they? Nope. Neither did the Cleveland Barons. No. Although, in a roundabout way, the Golden Seals were recreated as the Sharks. Yeah. But it's funny because we did end up, like, the later expansion teams like your Philadelphia Flyers and your New York Islanders definitely stuck around. Yeah. For sure. And and we can't forget Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. yeah. Pittsburgh and Philly. You're definitely right about the Islanders. But then you got the other expansion team. Well, no, I guess they're not really. Oilers aren't considered expansion because they're from the WHA. But even, like, I would say the Bettman era expansion teams. Your Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Your... Love them or hate them, your Phoenix Coyotes. Phoenix Coyotes, your Nashville Predators, stuff like that. Well, the Batman era, like, I would have to say the Batman era has been the most successful as the NHL, and that largely has been, and I'm going to probably catch hate for this, the good stewardship of Gary Batman. Like, sure, he's locked out more than, I think, any of the other sports leagues, but the NHL is a healthy league, it's a growing league. Yep. And we're going to welcome in our 32nd team real quick here. It's true. And, I mean, you know, and you're absolutely right. I think we even talked about this on the show when Batman was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame was that, love him or hate him, his tutelage as the commissioner of the NHL, very fruitful. Very, very fruitful. And you, as you see where the, where the NHL was to where it is now, right? Mm-hmm. Where when Gary took over in 90... When did he take over? 92, 93? 91, I think. Like it was in 19, the early nineties, yeah. his first act was to say, "We need to start going into the south." Yeah, because he saw the the excitement in L.A. when Gretzky arrived. He saw the success that some of these other teams were having, and he says, "You know what? There's an there's untapped markets there." Mm-hmm. Like look at it, and you know what we're going to talk about today with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've got two teams in Florida. They've got a team in Dallas. They, and that's a beloved team in Dallas. Yeah, they've got the you know, you got the Nashville Predators, you got the Carolina Hurricanes. You got Columbus, you've got Minnesota Minnesota got a team back. Yeah, Columbus got a team. Uh Colorado got a team back. The team in Hartford didn't fold. And this is actually the big one. The team in Hartford didn't fold. Nope. It moved. It did. And that Carolina team has been they haven't won a they've won a cup, but they've been They've been around that championship conversation the last for a, years. the last couple of years and in their early years, too. So it's it's been a very successful expansion. And I think the expansion model of the Vegas Golden Knights, if it's reproduced in Seattle, mm-hmm. it's a winning formula that I think the NBA and the, well, the NFL probably doesn't, well, the NFL will expand till the gills are full, that I think other sports leagues, probably the MLS would be the league to look at it the most. 
Although I think the MLS might be looking at a relegation table system instead. Yeah, kind of like how they do it over in Europe. Yeah. So maybe it's not a relevant model. No, but I think it depends on the sports league itself. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's good. I mean, and I think the only, really the only blemish was the NHL's second go-around in Atlanta. Yeah. And we've talked about this, like, obviously. It had nothing to do with the team. It had more to do with the fact that the ownership... Was a shit show. Didn't care. Yeah. They bought the team because of, they wanted the basketball team. But even now with the the NHL contract for the TV rights with TNT, that's a big one for the South, right? Because, again, you have Tampa Bay that won the Cup. You've got the Panthers, who are really good. Yeah, and then you've got the, the Nashville Predators have just a very loyal fan base. Yep, the Carolina Hurricanes. And let's not... We have to talk about the fact that the NHL is now back on primetime sports yep. because they are on the mouse. They're on ESPN, which in the U.S. is the network. It is. And, and that's a big deal. It is a big deal. I think the only downside with ESPN having the rights is the fact that... I'm not, I'm not going to say that it isn't because they're not hiring great people because I saw some of the people that they hired is just... I'm sorry, I'm still saying not bringing Gary Thorne back was a was a bad idea. Yeah. Because honestly, if you talk to a lot of... And nothing against Doc Emmerich and Eddie Olchek, but Gary really was the voice of the NHL in the United States for... Many years. Well over a decade. Why do you think we have three compilation videos up in on YouTube <laughs> right now? Fair enough, fair enough. But it's like at the same time, like Doc and Eddie are very good at what they do. Bringing in wing... No, sorry, that was TNT that brought Wayne Gretzky as color was, I think, a very good move. It's sorry, a, no, as an analyst. It's an interesting move. It's an interesting move. I hope that we get tips on how to commit crime at the same level as we get tips on how to play hockey from the from the analyst. That would be fantastic. Oh, that would be so good. But even on the ESPN side, you know, because TNT's got Gretzky, ESPN's got Mark Messier. Oh, that would be interesting. And Mark Messier, love him or hate him, I'm sure he's probably got some... Insight into the game, right? Or at the very least, insight on how to eat exactly one Lay's potato chip. That's true. I actually ate some Lay's barbecue chips the other day. How was it? Fantastic, as always, man. Did you tell Trevor Shackles? (laughs) No, I didn't tell Trevor Shackles that. I'm going to wait till we get him on the podcast next time, though. Oh, okay. Although, we didn't weird him out last time. Did we? No, I don't think we did. That doesn't sound like us at all, man. No. God, that's just so weird that I didn't freak him out. Sorry, what what did I interrupt you? Oh, I was just going to say, because there was a video that Trevor posted on his Twitter page of him. He had his hand out, and the bird ate a seed out of his hand. I think it's on... Um, well, I think I commented, and I, I screenshotted like, the first image of him like this. And I says, new meme te- template, question mark. Question mark. Because it was like the guy with the glasses and the butterfly comes to fly. That's what I thought. Is this a pigeon? Yes. It was so good. I was just like, yeah, it's funny. It's good times, good times. Yeah. Well, you know, Tim, we spent all this time talking about Gary Bo- Gary Thorne and Gary Batman and some of the other stuff we talked about. We've got to give a bit of an update of what we've been up to since we last recorded. Because when we recorded last, you were in Victoria. Yep. And now you're back in studio. So i got to ask, man, like, how has your and Chelsea's stay in Duncan been so far? Oh, it's been good. It's uh, mostly just seeing family, uh, so it's always a good time. Uh, not doing too much. Uh, I 
I drove the Malahat for the first time. Okay. We left Victoria at five o'clock, so that's it's not peak rush hour, but uh, it's still pretty good. And uh, for anyone who knows Victoria driving, the Malahat on the way from Victoria to Duncan is a parking lot because there's a bottleneck after Spencer Road and West Shore Parkway where three lanes becomes one. And I am a very new driver. I think I have maybe 10 hours under my belt. And Chelsea's just like, oh, you can do that. Honestly, the, the mountain road itself, not bad. Like once you actually get on there, it's like, okay, you do 80. You, you stay in your lane. You, as soon as the passing lane comes up, you go to the right. So people who were born... Who are like, ah, oh, I hate this kid, this new alerter driver just go whoo, right by it. Merging in a parking lot was interesting. <laughs> okay. So I was like just kind of going in the right lane and I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to even get to the place where I can merge. So I guess I should take my lane when I get a chance. And there's a commuter bus that goes between Victorian and Duncan in the evening. Yep. And that fucker just took a lane. Oh, yeah. That thing, well, it stops at Valley View in Cobble yeah. Hill. So, yeah, I see it every day. But, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? Because even the first time that I was driving, I'm just going to move my mic a little bit forward here for our listeners. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, but even driving that, one of the first times I drove the Malhab by myself, it's kind of a, like, and obviously I'm, I was born and raised here. I've driven around here, so I was kind of used to it, but... And I was telling you on the drive over here was that my first experience of driving it during rush hour when I was working was they let me, we had to do a hotel delivery in Victoria Mm. at, uh, I'm trying to remember the name now. It's at the, not Peach Tree, uh, something tree hotel, it's right across the street from the convention center. Oh, I know which one you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, anyways, yeah, it's like right around the corner from Bart's. And so anyway, yes, yeah, so I'm driving the big food truck down there. Five o'clock. <laughs> downtown Victoria. It was an adventure. Oh, yeah. And then I almost got hit. Like, actually taking the lane wasn't too bad. Someone opened up a spot. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take it. And so I just put on my blinker, did a shoulder check, went over. Chelsea's like, Tim, you need to do more shoulder checks than just one. I was like, okay, you're right. And then, uh... On the way to Duncan, I was turning right onto Trunk Road, so on the way to Ma- to get to Maple Bay, and uh, I looked, did my che- did both my checks, turned, I overturned, sorry, I underturned, so I ended up in the right, the bit of the left lane, and this guy, like, about out of hell, does a left turn, and I look, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> just <laughs> as I almost get fucking T-boned, just like, first time driving to Duncan, yeah, <laughs> fucking dead. I know. Well, I think about the coach from Goon when he's teaching Doug how to skate he says you gotta be shitty before you can get good son yeah pretty much I would prefer to be alive to the get good part cause just get t-boned and it would have been like a t-boned on the right side on the driver's side so Chelsea would have lived yes. me not so much that's true I mean it, it would suck if both of you got hurt yeah it would be better if like if N- nobody yeah. yeah nobody got hurt yeah, true, true, true. Safety first. Yeah, safety first. Other than that, we also learned that neither of us know how to properly drive a traffic circle. She was she was telling me to sig- like to signal in and out, and like signal left in and then right out. And uh, we were talking with my mom afterwards, and mom's like, "What the hell are you telling them?" <laughs> yeah, basically, 
like whereabouts was the driving or the, the circle you're driving in? Uh, the one in front of Queen of Angels. Okay, yeah. So basically, how you do it was that it's right in. Re- yeah, it's right in, right out. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, when you go in there, I always make sure. Well, I watch, and that's the thing. Like, there are people that sometimes don't signal when they come out, so they think you're going around. Yeah. So you kind of have to play it by ear at that point and watch if they if you watch the wheels if the wheels don't turn if they just stay on an angle and keep going they're turning they're turning yeah because what i'm learning is uh for a lot of people signaling does seem a bit optional and like i know as i'm learning like i forget my signal so i'm thinking that for some people it's like yeah they just forgot but for some people i follow it's like oh you you and lane change it you don't you don't signal there I'm just going to stay to your right. You go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to slow down when you start veering. It's okay. Sorry, guy behind me. I like living. That's true. So, Tim, I am very excited to have you, and it's good to see that you've actually learned how to drive through Victoria and Duncan. And I'll talk a little bit about what I've been up to, because on the last episode I talked about, obviously my grandmother had passed away, and we had her service yesterday. And... So I was tasked with bringing her ashes into the church because my grandfather had asked me. And mm. and, I, and I will make it clear right now, like if he had not, not asked, if he wasn't the one who asked me, I probably would have said no yeah. because I don't feel comfortable. It's weird. Like, even though mm. we've been doing the podcast for four years, getting up in front of people is still weird for me, even though I was just doing a eulogy, right? Yeah. No, that's tough though. It is. And so I, there's a bit of a funny story to go along with this. Now, I think we've talked about on the podcast when we were in ninth grade, when you knocked God off the cross. <laughs> oh, no. Now, the only reason, the only reason I'm going to tell this story is because if there's one person who probably would have found this story funny, it would have been my grandmother. Because she's like that. She always thinks it's, that kind of stuff was funny. So, so obviously yesterday... I walked into the church and there's this little prayer table on the altar where I had to put her ashes. Mm. And so, you know, I had to bow to the cross and bow to the table and I put it on the table. Well, I put it down. I moved my hand. I accidentally, so there's like this piece of wood on the table where there's Mary, I think carved into it Yeah, yeah. with a little, I don't know, a little metal stand on the back. So I put it down. I accident and I went like this. I put it down I moved my hand. I accidentally knocked it over. <laughs> the only thing, it didn't go back. It went forward, so I was able to catch it. Oh, you saved it. I caught it, and I'm trying to put it back there. And you know when those, like, when you try and put, you know, say something's on, like, a little stand or whatever, you try to put it upright, and it's not staying. It wants to move, go yeah, forward. No. I'm trying to put this thing back there. I'm trying to hold it there. I'm like, huh? Okay. I'm looking at it like, oh, God, do I have to bend this thing back to you? So I got it there. I got it perfect. It perfectly stood. And and I just casually, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just going to back away. No movements. No movements. It didn't move. It almost hit the freaking table and I caught it. And and it's funny because my grandma is right next to it, right? And when I sat down, my cousin looked at me. He's like, nice going, dude. (laughs) Well, it's like, what else are you going to do, right? Yeah. But I think that kind of broke the ice because it, you know, it was such a weird experience because it was the first time my whole family had been together in so long, yeah. right? So, 
obviously under such somber circumstances we got together but it was really nice you know and obviously mm-hmm. saw my entire family saw my nieces saw my dad so that was really cool and you know well funerals are kind of funny that way because yeah. it's like it's it's not a fun thing but it's you get a lot of people together it's true it's true i always find that there's probably three times in this life you get large groups of people like that together yeah weddings funerals and a possible rager and a possible rager i thought you were gonna say like birth birth wedding funeral because <laughs> you get a lot of people a lot of people in for like, births, births yeah. too yeah yeah i was gonna say that's a true that it's it. like the sphinx's riddle of uh <laughs> array of people arrangements it's so true but yeah but even in births right you can only allow so many people into the room that's at one true time, yeah right? where i think if you get like a wedding or a funeral you got the whole the whole fam jam ex- exactly you got the whole fam jam there but it was a good time but i do have to say though that me and my three cousins we did a toast for her in the parking lot nice first time drinking scotch how was it not a fan not a not a much but it, it burns eh it does it tastes it tastes like rubbing alcohol <laughs> And it was like a good scotch, maybe because I don't drink scotch. Yeah. For me, it's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I remember uh, we had a scotch night at the Bank of Canada. And, okay, not the bank didn't provide it. Me and my employees, just my employee friends just did it. Like, we all went out, had fun, did trivia and it, at a bar that had a ton, that was known in Ottawa for having a very wide scotch selection. Okay. And, Do you want to name drop the Oh, place? sorry, it's the Highlander uh, on Rideau. And, okay. yeah, it was... It burnt. It it burnt, and I think we almost got kicked out at one point, cause uh, my buddy, so one of the guys I worked with got really dr- like hammered, and he used to be in the forces, and uh, apparently something they did in the forces is uh, they would kill check each other to see if they're wearing undergarments, and if they weren't, the person who did the kill check owed the other guy a beer, <laughs> and uh, so my bud who's already quite a bit god, he's like, oh, you know what you do in the military. You do a kilt check, and the guy, the server, the guy, he's the is very he's very uncomfortable with this. And like he, by the guy I'm working with is very drunk and trying just to explain it. And he's like not trying to kilt check the guy, just explaining it. But he's not doing a good job because he's obviously inebriated. Yep. And so he ends. It gets to the point where it's like, are you sure you can have more? We're all like, no, no, no. He's fine. He's fine. He's good. He he won't cause you any trouble. And. <laughs> No, so it's good, so good. But uh, I remember drinking. Sc- I remember when I drank scotch. It's like it's like fucking turpentine, right? It's like, huh? Well, if there was any paint in my stomach, it's now gone. It's extra. You know what? I mean, yeah, scotch is like. I am sure if I drank scotch all the time, I probably would get a really good tolerance for it. Or mm-hmm. I'd be. I could recognize good from bad scotch. But if there's anything that in this world I know for sure, there's one kind of alcohol I will never try. Vodka. Oh no. Jaeger Meister. Jaeger for sure. But there's also that, uh, the Slovakian liquor. Oh, the stuff. Slivica. Slivica. The stuff that Jamie McClendon was talking about, yeah. I still think it's hilarious that I googled it and I found some. (laughs) Just because if they sold it in a Mickey, I would buy it just out of curiosity and do a shot. Yeah, and your liver in the morning will be like, Yeah. 
So Tim, it's great that we got to do a bit of an update. Now, the one thing that we didn't, we haven't really done in a while, is top of the hour. Oh wow! So obviously for this edition, we do have a few news stories we're going to talk about, and this isn't going to be like a traditional top of the hour. We would be, you know, it's time to segue into this little segment. But we do have a couple of news stories we're going to talk about. So let's get right into this. So you know, with top of the hour, you know how much I hate talking about death. Yeah. I, I've always hate talking about death, and obviously I just talked about the story with my grandmother's funeral the other yesterday. But we did have a death in the National Hockey League. So Columbus Blue Jackets goalie Matis Kliavinkis. I, th- I, I, that's I, correct. That is how it's okay. A uh, correction. I'm. I apologize if that's not at all how it's pronounced. But, anyways, so he ended up passing away on. 4th of July at the age of 25. And what had happened to him was that he was fatally injured during a 4th of July firework malfunction while staying at the home of Blue Jackets goalie coach Manny Legacy. Now... It's such a freak thing Number one, say. that's a name I have not heard in a long time, is Manny Legacy. Because I remember him with the Red Wings. And yeah, so he passed away in Novi, Michigan. And it was such a sad thing too, right? Because the kid was only like 25? Yeah. And from from what people are saying about it, it sounds like they were doing everything, the correct setup, correct operation, and it just it fell into the hot tub and came getting out of the hot tub. He smashed his head, and that was it. Yeah, they, it's like a he, freak accident. I think from what I was reading, I think he tried to get he got out, he slipped and cracked his head. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's just all this culmination of freak accidents that led to a kid dying prematurely and it's really unfortunate it is and this is like the second time in blue jacket history where somebody this young has passed away now obviously in 2002 there was a young fan who i think she was 14 or 15 years old it was she went to a blue jackets game for her birthday and one of the guys for the blue jackets i think he tried to do a slap shot or something he or tipped it out of bounds it went over the glass and hit her in the head and she ended up dying a couple of days later in hospitals. So if you go to NHL games today... The netting goes the whole way around now. The netting... No, the netting only goes from the goal line, where like the goalie mm. is. All the rest of the place in the rink, no netting. But that's why they had to put it, because she was sitting on that far. Right. That end. So obviously, that's one of the things. The NHL implemented that in the next season, and that's why we got it today. It's really sad. It is really sad. But uh, it's... I guess it's like it's just such a freak accident that they never thought something like that would happen in that sort of way until it does. It's true. And you know what? You can think of many situations in life. You never think about it until it happens, right? Yeah. Now, something that we did talk about on the last episode was about a former Chicago Blackhawks video coach and there was some sexual assault allegation that came about him. So... Miami University of Ohio, they confirmed that there's a sexual, there's a second sexual assault allegations at the school involving former Blackhawk video coach Brad Altridge. And remember, he's already been charged for at least one. Yeah. So, yeah, this dude's fucked. But he, it's going to be interesting to see how far these cover-ups go. Yeah, and, and it's really sad because in the NHL... Whether or not people want to admit it, the NHL has not been 
exempt from these kind of no. allegations. And obviously, you look in the last several years, you had the Graham James situation. You had the ushers at Maple Leaf Gardens when they were sexually molesting kids at the arena. These kind of events, and now you've got with this guy here, is that you can... It's so sad that there's such a cover-up, right? Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. I mean, I'm honestly almost at a loss for words here because I'm just like, if this kind of stuff happens, that's terrible. Yeah. And we talked about how a number of the Blackhawks were asked about it. They said no comment. But the one thing that came out was Jonathan Taves was asked about it. And apparently, from what I heard, there was like sort of whispers in the locker room about what was going on. But he says the player in question... Taves was not a fan of. Oh. From what I from what he said, he wouldn't mention the person's name, but he says, yeah, he was just a person he wasn't a, he wasn't crazy about. But he said, yeah, you know, you kind of heard the whispers about it, but you never knew if it was true or not. Well, it's interesting because if you read the Athletic article, that was kind of what was said about the front off, like the front office and the back office of the Blackhawks too, is they would tell people stay away from him. Yeah, but it seemed like uh, some of the players would. Might not have gotten the memo. Mm-mm. No, but that's the thing, right? Because when when stuff like that happens, it it's almost is it true or is it just locker room gossip? And I'm and obviously, if the front office and the back office knew, yeah, you would think the first thing that would have been done get it get the players together, get a team meeting, and inform them. Well, that's where things get a bit weird because if they're if they felt like they wanted to protect this guy and for some reason they didn't care about some of the prospects, then maybe they don't. And the fact that this guy already has a conviction to his name for sexual assault really does take away the benefit of the doubt. And it makes you wonder what the fuck was going on in the Blackhawks Association. Like, maybe... like. Maybe this guy was protected because he was someone's friend. Yep. And then, uh, so, yeah, they're willing to muzzle it up, tell him, yeah, don't don't go to the cops or your career's over sort of thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, pro sports, uh, stuff like this happens all the time. The NFL was always has been known for the last several years when it comes to players who have very shady backgrounds who are still in positions in the, in the NFL – you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they had Joey Porter. He played for the Steelers. Well, he was known for assault allegations and DUIs. He's still with the Steelers. Yeah. You had a number of players. And then, of course, you had the Washington name retracted. Obviously, I'm not going to say it. Uh, yeah. Or the, well, sorry, the Washington. Washington football. Washington football team. But, yeah, Urinating Tree's name is still funnier. The name retracted. <laughs> name retracted. But, anyway, yeah, and it actually came out. I think last week or something that there's even an investigation going on in the Washington football team's culture. Oh, because yeah, it's because there's a lot of shady shit happening right now with the Washington team and the owner knew the management knew. Do you think the name change, the timing of the name change might've been a distra- an attempt to distract from this? Um, no, I, I think because the name changed about a year ago. Oh, fair enough. Whereas fair enough. I think you because like the it, stuff that was it going was up, due. <laughs> it was due, and obviously they dragged their heels on it. It's true, but even with some of their like culture stuff 
within the organization mm-hmm. is common knowledge. It, it's not like it's a secret. Uh, okay. And Urinating Tree did a whole video about it. I don't know how long ago, somewhat recently, anyway. And he went into quite detail about it. And he's really good with that kind of stuff. So, so I don't, I, I don't know really what to say more about this, man. Because there's just so much we could have gone. Like I said, when we talked about it last week, we could have done a full episode just on this dude. Oh yeah. And at the same time, there's deservedly a lot of ink being spilled on this because it is such a crazy fucking story. And as we pointed out, as you can read about it in TSN or The Athletic, uh, that a lot of people are implicated, potentially implicated in this. Like yep. like M- Mark Bergevin, Scotty Bowman, Dave Tallon. A lot of those guys were in Chicago in those years. Yeah. Well, I wonder if even Joel Quenville. Yeah. Like, especially Joe Quenville, because the dude's on his coaching team. So we're going to stick... So we're going to move away from Chicago, but we're going to stay in that division, talk about the St. Louis Blues a second, because a news story that broke the day after the Stanley Cup Finals is that St. Louis Blues forward Vladimir Tarasenko requested a trade from the Blues. Now, last season with the Blues, he had four goals, 10 assists, 14 points in 24 games. The last two seasons, he's been riddled with injuries. I think he's only played maybe maybe a handful. 50 games, yeah. if that. And I think for me, Tarasenko is one of these guys who, when he was healthy, the guy was really good. But I think now, because he's been injured in the past couple of seasons, this is really more of a restoration project. And so whoever goes after him... St. Louis is not... I don't think St. Louis is going to get a big return. No, because not. the timing for them is terrible, too. Yeah. Because the expansion draft is in two weeks, and I have a pretty strong feeling that that might be a project that Seattle would go for. So they're kind of... They're pressed on two fronts. They're pressed because they know the guy wants out. They're pressed because they might have to... If they want to get anything for Tarasenko, they'll have to waste an expansion slot for it. Yep. That's very rough for St. Louis. This The timing does not work whatsoever for them. It doesn't. But also on Tarasenko's side, I think his contract has one year left. So whoever goes after him, it's going to be a high-risk, high-reward pick because you go after a guy who's been injured the past two seasons, so there's that risk involved. Yeah. But he hasn't played for a while. So obviously if he can recover... Get back to 100%, find his scoring touch, and he's, he'll be really good for whoever And Tarasenko's uh, 28? I think so, yeah. I think he's our age. Yeah, so, you know what? I, I'm not sure it fits Ottawa's, where Ottawa is in the development arc yet. Like, no. if this happened, if Tarasenko was a year or two younger, I would say that the Sens should probably see if they can get him for a second and a third. Yeah, and honestly... I, I, I don't think the Sens are going to go after him. I think they would more look at, say, a Jake DeBrusque or uh, there's another player somebody was talking about too. Um, as long as it's not Nazem fucking Kadri. I've heard about, I've heard Kadri, those rumors have gone down. Dougie Hamilton, I've heard rumors about that. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm as I said, I'm really happy with the Sens top six. And there's always been talks, like for a little while, there's talks with Heat about Sean Monaghan. Yeah, and that would be an interesting pickup for Ottawa. But the thing is, is that's really 
would that be more confirmation that the Sens don't have faith in Josh Norris being a number one center? Because he's proven on that top line with yeah. Brady and Drake, he's very capable of being a number one center. Well, the other sense. thing is that Sean Monaghan might actually be, like, you could do a 1A, 1B with uh, Kachuk, Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzla, Monaghan, and Connor, either Connor Brown or Dodnoff, whoever wins that. Because that's going to be a fight in training camp for yep. the the two R sought is uh, Connor Brown and Dadanov, and that's going to be a good one because I think that Dadanov probably unless he's actually cooked, which I somehow doubt, because like at the end of the season it looked like he was picking up speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just took him a while to get used to a new team in a weird fucking situation. Yeah, and plus lack of training camp, lack- condensed games. So I think that uh, that's one of the things I'm kind of annoyed with, uh, a lo- and I hope that the t- this isn't the team's thinking of protecting frickin' uh, Austin. I like Austin Watson and what he brings. I think you protect Dadnov over him. Yes. And anyone who still has Abramov on their protected list is, uh, I don't get that, because I don't think Seattle's going to take a guy who's just bolted to the KHL. No. No, and, and that's where I think in the Excel, Seattle expansion, and I think our next episode is going to be on our Seattle yeah. expansion. I think for myself, I don't think they're going to go after Joey Decord. I don't think they're going to go after Watson. If anybody, they're going to go after... Chris Tierney or Zaitsev. Yeah, be Tierney, Zaitsev, or if they leave Dadanoff unprotected. Yeah. Right? So... And I think leaving Dadanoff unprotected is a mistake. Unless you can bring someone else in on the right wing. Yeah, and that's where... I don't know if Ottawa would do it because the one thing that Pierre Doran really hasn't done, he's not willing to walk away from assigning that early. No. Because you saw it with the Matthew Shane deal, right? And obviously they were kind of handcuffed at that point. You had to get rid of him. Yeah. Not because he's a bad player, because he's a bad teammate. He was going to walk anyway. Yeah. So you you have to get something back for him. Yeah, and... uh... I actually do like the. I actually like the way that the Sens are built. I'm not sure if they're a playoff team next year, but I actually like them. Yeah, I think they're going to be a much more competitive team next year. Yeah, for sure. But I think once we go back to the old Atlantic Division, where you have to play Florida, you have to play Tampa, you have to play Boston, it's going to be tougher, right? Yeah, but I think I think we match up well against. Well, we usually play Toronto well. Yep. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change unless Toronto makes some major, major changes, which, frankly, they could after this year's embar- particular yep. this year's embarrassment. Because Montreal proved what everyone thought was going to happen with the Leafs, which is really fucking funny. But, it is. Uh, Montreal, I don't actually think they're that good. No. Montreal got... Carey Price. They got Carey Price, but they got healthy. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you got a hot goalie and you're healthy, you can go far. Yeah, Montreal just proved that. We get we do get Detroit and Buffalo back, so that helps. It's true, but Buffalo were usually kind of hit and miss against them. Yeah, Detroit we do better against them. The but one team imagine I'm, an Eichelless Buffalo. That's like an Edwardless Doctor Dre song. It's yeah, that's just weird. I think for me, an Eichelless Sabers, but even then we never beat an Eichelless Sabers. Because they had Robin Leonard at that time, right? Right. But I think for myself, 
the one team that outside of Toronto, the only other team we match up better against is Montreal. Yeah. Because if you look at our all-time season record, Montreal, we beat Montreal more than anybody. Toronto's, like, right behind that. Yeah. And, well, it's like, I think we'll just also see what steps forwards players take. Because, like, if Tim Stutzla takes a big step next year, I think Ottawa can at least be in that 7-10 to 10 range in the East. And I don't think that's ridiculous. If you get, like, big steps forward from Stutzla, from, like, if uh, Brandstrom continues taking those steps forward, Ottawa's left D is really good. It is. And I, I really don't get why people want to give up on Brandstrom already. Because, and I've said this He's before. 21, for God's sake. Exactly. And I said that on Twitter. Can you imagine if people expected me to have my shit together when I was 21 years old? Like, God. But I think for myself, and I just, I don't understand it. Why they want to give up on Brandstrom. For me, if there's a guy on the Sens roster, you know, excluding the Stutzelais and these kind of guys, the one guy I want to see succeed so badly because I see what he brings, it's Eric Brandstrom. And... The last 10 games of the season, he was lights out. Yep. Like, he stepped into Shabbat's shoes and filled them magnificently. Like, those 10 games, Brant, we really saw what Brantstrom is capable of. And the thing, I was so impressed. Like, not only is north-south skating, but his ability to walk the line mm-hmm. reminded me of Eric Carlson. Yeah, left-handed, smaller Eric Carlson. Carlson. And... He doesn't have the foot speed of Carlson. No. Or maybe the creativeness, but... He's got the skill set, and he he's does. got the hockey IQ. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'd like to see is make Zaitsev the seventh defenseman, and or Josh Brown, and put Brandstrom on his preferred side. I know. Like, just, it's, come on, let's try it. And then you could have, can you imagine Sanderson-Brandstrom as a line? Like, that would be fucking killer. Yeah. Like, or you could just have, yeah, like, Shabbat, Zub, Sanderson, Brandstrom, and then Mete, Josh Brown. Like, that sounds like an, a pretty good defense core. Yeah, and, and people would just look at it and be like, oh, come on. Like, this is going to be any good. Except for Sens fans that we see it every day, right? Yeah. Well, Shabbat's going to be on Team Canada. Yep. Zub plays, has played Olympic hockey for Russia. Yep. For, if, if Brandstrom, like... Z- Sanderson is a top five draft pick, and he looks phenomenal in college. And I think he will make a good transition. Yeah, and, I th- and we've had Burn Docker that played Burn in Docker, the World yeah. Championships. Yeah, so like Josh Brown can be your seventh defenseman, and Josh Brown he started up his start to the season was rough, but he like the Josh like Josh Brown and Victor Mete together were a very good pair, yeah. and it wasn't like he's Mete, very serviceable. Mete wasn't carrying Josh Brown. No. Like, he is a serviceable player, and I think he would fit well in that seventh defenseman slot. So, like, if, if Zaitsev gets taken, like, I would go, like, that defense alignment I just listed. Exactly. And then put J- Jacob Bernardocker in. And that would be good. I think so. So, I know just a few minutes ago we were talking about Seattle Kraken. So, they, the Kraken have actually announced when they're going to be playing their very first NHL game. So they're gonna be, so the Seattle Kraken they're gonna be playing their first NHL preseason game versus the Vancouver Canucks September twenty sixth. That's awesome. That give that gives us so much information too, eh? Does because it gives us preseasons happening. We're going back to the old conferences. Canada versus U.S. travel. Yeah. 
that's huge on so many levels. It is, and yeah, and we've talked about this about there was still so much gray area whether the Canadian teams were going to be allowed to go across the border and whether American teams are allowed to cross the Canadian border. And this confirms it. They are. Exactly. So, no, this is perfect. And you know what? It's going to be... Yes, we're going to have a very short off-season. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening very condensed. But... In a few short in months, we're going to be back to playing in October. And I can, I should be able to buy tickets to go watch hockey at the Saddledome. Yep. Uh, our listeners in Ottawa will be able to return to the CTC. Yep. And, and our listeners in Vancouver will be doing it at Rogers Arena. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, and and the listeners in other Canadian cities we haven't missed, whether it be Rogers Place, MTS Center, Bell Center. Rogers Arena. We are. I just mentioned oh, that. that right. um, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Yeah. Arena in Buffalo. If you want to travel, you know, it doesn't matter. Once people like us are allowed to tra- cross the border. Yep. Go go down to uh, the Staples Center. Yeah. It's a nice arena. I have heard that. I've heard a lot of the American cities in the South. Actually, you know, I heard the one of the best arenas in the states is right now. Is a T-Mobile Center in Vegas? Really? Well, I guess it's one of the newest. It is one of the newest, but I've talked to people who've gone to games. Unreal. It, I don't want to go. I've never been to Vegas. Same, and I know I've mentioned. I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast. My brother was going to go see the Leafs down in Vegas. It's probably the whole Valentine's trip Day and New Year's Eve was the first <laughs> yeah, two years yeah. they played in Vegas. It's really funny. <laughs> it is. So we're gonna finish off this very very condensed top of the hour by talking about a news story that you actually didn't even really know about until i mentioned it to you this morning when we were putting this together so the nhl has hired tiktok star josh richards to be a in quotes special advisor in their efforts to promote the league to a younger generation now i will be the first to admit i'm not on tiktok i have no idea who josh richards is but apparently i think from what I understand, he has like something like 15 or 20 million subscribers on TikTok. I don't know if that's a lot or not. It sounds like a lot. It's true. Well, remember when we were growing up? Remember when 100,000 views on YouTube, YouTube was, was a big deal? Yeah. That was like next level shit. You were famous at that point. Yeah. yeah. Now that's just some scrub doing a podcast in their basement. But you and I were talking about this on the drive over here, Tim, because you know. The NHL, despite its best efforts, I think fans usually are not happy with the NHL's efforts to try and promote to a younger generation. Mm -hmm. And you and I were talking about this because I said, you know, I understand you want to try and promote the game. You want to try and show the younger generation, hey, let's go to games, buy the merch and everything like that. And I just feel like hockey fans... They're always kind of critical about stuff. To be fair, a lot of the hockey fans we're seeing are on Twitter. And Twitter is not very representative yep. of things. It's because I find Twitter users are generally more critical. Yes. Like, that's that's very a first so. step. And a lot of the players have left Twitter for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that one of the best assets the NHL has for reaching out to a younger group, although I guess this like the users here generally are closer to our age, is Instagram. 
Because the players are fantastic on Instagram, and I'm going to be talking about this once we actually get to the main point of this episode about an hour into the episode, when we're going to talk about Nikita Kucherov, friend of my heart. This, he's been fucking dynamite. That guy and was awesome. As far as the Sens go, too, the Sens have had, like, Brady Kachuk has been great Thomas on Shabbat, Thomas Shabbat, Colin too. White. Colin White. They're all great on Actually, Instagram. you know who was killing it? Was the big three. Yeah. Batherson, Josh Norris, Brady. Yeah, and if they're, do- if they're doing a great job, they're interacting with the fans, and they're killing it on social media, and people are finding them, and they just search the name, and your players are just doing their thing and being fun and building yep. the game themselves... It's fucking gold. You don't need to hire more people because they're doing the market. They're doing this. They're doing the ambassador work themselves because they think it's fun. Yep. You've you've got gold. Uh, for TikTok, like if you do need to do this extra deal, then so be it. Mm-hmm. And I think my understanding is because TikTok is video, it requires more work. Yes. Even though it's like like short vid short video clips, I think uh, you can go up to as long as three minutes on TikTok now for some users. Okay. Uh, that still takes a lot of prep. It does. Uh, and I remember you did uh, some film, like some film study courses at high school, so you know all about just getting oh, yes. a scene set up. Yeah, it, it does. It takes quite a while, and, and I get it. And you're right. Like, and it's funny because that's one of the comments that you made was that Twitter is usually very critical, and I says, and that's very true. But then you look at other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, where you don't, you'll get that for sure, but you definitely get more of. The other side as well. Yeah. And you know what? I will say right now, I do praise the NHL for trying mm-hmm. to really promote the game. Yes. No, it's Whether great. or not it works. Whether or not it works. Because I know, and I don't know if you remember, I don't think it was last season or the season preview, or the season before, where Green Day did the theme for their NBC right. coverage. And you and I were sitting here and we're just like... Who listens to Green Day? Why... Like, dude, Green Day is not a new band. But honestly, and you and I were saying, like, who would you get for that? Would you get a Bieber? I don't know. Right now, it'd probably be Little Nas X. Yeah. Little Nas. I think Billie Eilish is a bit too far out. Yeah, but the thing is, and is, there's just not a... I, I don't want to go on record, so there's just not a ton of artists that across the board is famous. Because there still is. There but still I, are. But there is still pockets of people who don't know who Little Nas X is, who don't know who Billie Eilish is. Well, this is one of the weird things about the internet, is it's almost been the slow death of common culture, because it's very easy for people to fully immerse themselves in a subculture, and then just not bother with a broader mainstream culture. Where, back when you had three channels, good luck being an anime weeb. Very much so. And it's like, you know, you look at the the media systems at the time you had tv radio print magazines and a lot of the people were and, and, and two guess, of the three and i guess record stores at when people used to buy music yeah, yeah but you're absolutely right i mean now that the how the internet and that's a very very good point actually that you just brought up about it about the common it's common culture fraying because everyone can go like people can just off ramp and never come back on well, if you're back in the 60s and it's like, okay, I've got three channels, AM radio, and the magazine rack, I can't go that far unless I'm in a very big city 
in a very no very specialized stores yep. or am completely underground yeah you don't have to go to underground places look for zines and look for weird stuff like you did in even up to the 90s so this is one of the fascinating things about early anime culture is have you ever seen some of the old really old shows they'll have subtitles in green and yellow I do... I know, and obviously I'm not You've really... You've probably anime. seen the memes. I've seen the yeah. memes, but I've also seen... like Because my, my older brother was into anime, yeah. so obviously whenever I've seen like clips of him watching it, I did kind of notice that. So the reason that happened is when shows didn't come over here officially, what would happen is university anime clubs would put the subtitles on themselves, and that was the color that the computer program that was writing these disc tapes would put them on as okay so you could differentiate who was talking without having to use a lot of extra text because your computers weren't very powerful yep uh and then what happened is to spread anime to different clubs so you could people could spread it and watch it what would happen is you would send a blank tape to say the ucla anime club to get a show that they had and they would copy from their master tape mm -hmm. to your tape and then mail the tape back to you and uh, you only started to really see, an like in the 90s, you started seeing anime downloaded in real real player format. So on a modern computer, it'll come up on like the size of a postage stamp. Yep. Just because, rem remember, this is dial-up internet. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, so it's like, it was really difficult to be part of a subculture. So you have this big, broad culture mm -hmm. that there you have broadly famous people because they're aren't many channels of communications and there's centralized channels of communications nowadays you're starting the internet really decentralized although you're starting to see companies try to rein it back in yeah like facebook google apple or they have their walled gardens social media is trying to direct you back to like nbc cbs etc google's like google's youtube algorithm promotes the main like videos from the mainstream networks over yeah. youtube content creators and that sort of thing so they're really trying to move it back to a, like a common culture mode but i'm not sure if the genie goes back in the bottle true and actually uh, just uh segueing because you were talking about the early anime you know they even said the master tapes right and i think about um back in the early 80s and i can relate this to music is that if you watch any of the documentaries on say the bay area thrash metal scene yeah that's basically how those bands got promoted. It was like, say, somebody in San Diego had Kill Em All by Metallica. You copied it on a blank cassette tape. You send it to this guy in San Diego. Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. Or you send it to Chicago. Or you send it whatever. And it's always in magazines. Yep. Because they always had print ads that say, I'm here, I listen to these, this band, this band, this band. We'll send you this. Yeah. And that's how... And even... Like, seriously, if you go back and you read and you watch some of those really old interviews of them talking about like Metallica and Anthrax, some of the early '80s thrash metal bands, that's how these guys got famous. Pre-internet. Yep. Like they would go play clubs in front of a couple of thousand people, and someone would record the master. Exactly, and people and the record labels would go see them and be like, "What the fuck is this?" You can even look at the early grunge well early grunge was kind of different because it was centrally located in seattle and all the bands knew each other like the green rivers the malfunctions they all knew each other yeah. so obviously you had the bands the guys knew each other 
So basically, the crowds that were going was like other bands and their friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you had other bands that weren't centrally located in Seattle. Like you had, obviously, Nirvana came up from Aberdeen. They joined the scene. You had other bands from around the country. Tad uh, would go to Seattle, stuff like that. And then the record labels found out. And be like, holy shit, like, there's a fucking gold mine here in this place that was not a, it was, like, Washington State's not a flyover state, but it's a state that for a long time, bands never toured Seattle. Well, Seattle, Washington State and Seattle, it's funny because Vancouver and Seattle's destinies are very close, they resemble each other. Because, mm-hmm. like, remember when we were young, uh, Vancouver was definitely and BC in general was on an economic slide because the forestry industry was doing very poorly and yep. I think something similar was happening in Seattle except Boeing and Microsoft were keeping the place afloat and then Vancouver started to follow with its tech scene as well so like those places and like their general beauty you then have the housing markets going insane but yeah in the 90s Vancouver and the fortunes of Vancouver and Seattle weren't great mm-hmm yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the Boeing and Microsoft thing because that was the thing. Like, Washington State and Seattle were always known to be for the forest industry, but then you had the white collar because, again, Seattle is a college town. Yeah. You have Washington State, you have University of Washington. University of Washington, and then, of course, you've got kids from all over the country going to these schools, and then you've got engineers that would go work at Boeing, or you've got computer guys that would go work for Microsoft. Yeah. And obviously, that's where. Not Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye, science guy. He started at Boeing. Yep. He was building airplanes. <laughs> the dude's a legit scientist. Well, he's an engineer. The scientists don't like you calling engineers scientists. They get pissy. It's a different degree. Fair enough. They have a B.Eng. The scientists, and ironically myself, have a B.Sc. Yes, economic. I have none of those things. So. E- economists have bachelors of science, too. I think Chelsea actually has a master's of science in psychology, Mm -hmm. but actually most like uh, physics, chemistry guys, they don't, they really hate the fact that economics gets a BSc Mm. because economics isn't a science. I will fight anyone on that one, by the way. (laughs) All right. Well, if Dana White is listening, you know, we'll definitely put up some money and we'll have a three round fight in an octagon. All right. I'll get my ass kicked. Let's go. So, Tim, I guess that wraps up this very condensed top of the hour, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about the Stanley Cup Finals for 2021. And it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. We got this in the first place. We got this. Three rounds. Six weeks of battle. And here we are. And it went off without a hitch. Yep. Like, even with Canada starting late due to the Vancouver and Montreal schedule being uh, heavily disrupted due to COVID, we got through this. We did. Like, first off, kudos to the NHL. Like, the system worked. It did. And they did it without being in a bubble. Yeah. And even in Can like, by the end of it, the American teams got to watch hockey in the stands. Toronto had fans for one game. I don't think so. Yes, they did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I can never. I was just thinking. No, there was six hundred and fifty emergency that's right. workers. It's been six... and the Leafs got to lose in front of them. Thumbs up. Thumbs so, up. So good. So Tim, we got to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals. The number one seed, 
Tampa Bay Lightning versus the number four seed, Montreal Canadiens. Now, I'm going to quickly say, let's hit the music. But the clip I'm going to play, I only use for special occasions. And given this is the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals, I feel it's the best way to do it. Is it what I think it is? No, it's still the song. Oh, I thought it was going to be, stop, stop, they're already dead. Well, I mean, no, that that goes without saying, though. Okay. I know. Without further ado, let's hit the music. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about Game 1 of the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals. This is a 5-1 Lightning victory. Canadian goals were scored by Ben Sherratt. Lightning goals were scored by Nikita Kucherov of 2, Eric Cernok, Yanni Gord, and Steven Stamkos. Shots were 27-19 for Tampa Bay. Eric Cernak opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Tampa Bay, deflecting the Andre Palat pass. Yanni Gore scores to make it 2-0 on a Blake Coleman shot, which hits him and in. Ben Sherratt gets Montreal on the board to make it 2-1 on a slap shot from the point that ping-pongs off two Lightning players and in. Nikita Kucherov scores to make it 3-1 Lightning, which looked like it was tipped in by Palat. Kucherov gets a second of the night to make it 4-1, and Steven Stamkos wires one home to make it 5-1 Lightning, which would be the final. So this is a you know, the common theme about this Stanley Cup Finals. There is a bunch of games I did have to condense watch because we're doing some work in the backyard. The pool and the deck yeah. being one of them. So let's, before we talk about Mon- Tampa Bay, let's talk about Montreal because this is one of the games that even though I watched the condensed version, you could tell that they were completely outplayed. Tampa's defense held them to under 20 yeah. shots. The defense really didn't give Carey Price much help. And honestly, from what I was seeing, Price looked like he was just left out to dry. So I watched the first 25 minutes of this game. Okay. And Montreal seemed to be keeping up. And then we started podcasting. And I remember saying, okay, it looks like Montreal might be able to keep up here. Holy shit, did that change? Really? Yeah, because when I turned off the game, it was 2 it was two nothing, and then Chiro- and Montreal had some really good looks. Hmm. And then, holy, then, like I turned off, it's 2 nothing. Four more goals get scored. Two, two of them by Kucherov. I was just like, oh. man, do I feel like an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's funny, Tim? And even though you talk about the Nikita Kucherov and these guys who had big nights, one guy who really went under the radar for a lot of people was Braden Point. Three assists and three shots. And while he didn't get much recognition due to Kucherov getting two goals, he himself had a night in that game. He did, and uh, the top line of Tampa just eventually started smothering the Canadians. And you're completely right. The defensive 
defensive puck movement wasn't really where it needed to be for Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like, during that Vegas series, what we saw Montreal doing was it was very good at stopping things either in the neutral zone or right at the blue line. And then Petri, Weber, and Schrott making nice little chip plays to the forwards to get the puck going. And Tampa Bay was just that extra step faster, and they punished Montreal very hard. Uh, the first Eric Cernot goal comes from an att- one of those attempted chip plays. So Montreal breaks up a Tampa play at the blue line, starts moving things up, and I think it's Nick Suzuki, or, sorry, it tries to pass to Josh Anderson. And Cernak just strips the pass. Yep. And he's down the down the ice. And it's behind Carey Price. Yeah, and that's a play that I actually like in, in hockey, is that when you see a defenseman trying to make a pass to a forward up front and somebody just catches it in midair, yeah. it's like when you watch football. When, you see, when, you, when yeah. you see a quarterback throw one of his receivers and one of the safeties intercepts it and runs it back for a touchdown. Yeah, it was a brilliant play. And... It's really emblematic of this series because it's here's these things that Montreal does well that Tampa Bay just does better. Yeah, and that's one thing that I noticed even watching these games is that Tampa Bay didn't have to go full speed. All they basically had to do was wait for Montreal to make a mistake. And well, they have the talent that they can implement. But the one thing, and I think it was game five, is that you can tell the difference because Montreal Definitely between Montreal and Tampa Bay, Tampa's talent, everything looked effortless. It looked effortless and looked smooth. Well, here's the thing is, like, a lot of these plays, they didn't even have to wait for a mistake. The execution just had to be average. And they were taking advantage of what, against most other teams, and even, even against Vegas, what would have been a good play doesn't work against Tampa because the talent level is just so much higher. Mm-hmm. And I often wonder if we had gotten that Vegas-Tampa Finals, how different of an outcome it could have been. Because you've got two teams that were so talented. And here in, I'll use a professional wrestling reference here, Tim, is like, you know, in pro wrestling, there's a term called a squash match. Basically, yeah. it's a match where you have a lower card guy who has to make the other guy look dominant. Yes. That's basically what this series was. Was it essentially a five-game squash match? Where, Did, yeah, the one game, you know, the, the lower card guy might get a shot or two in. He might make make a good move. But it was just to make this other team look dominant. Yeah, it's... Uh, and the thing is, is, you could tell Montreal was starting to run out of gas. Yep. Because their best games were game one and game two. And it just slides from there. It's true. Like, it's... I don't even know what to say at that point for Montreal because, you know, when you look at the scores and it's 5-1-6-3-3-1. Yeah, when you're getting dominated with three or four goals... Each night. Yeah. It's... And what's, it's going to be... You know what? Imagine what's going to happen next year when you have to play Tampa in the division. You're not going to play them five times. You might play them... Four times? Three times a year? Yeah. But then you might, if you make the playoffs, you're probably playing them first round. True. Or you're playing Carolina, or you're playing Florida, or you're playing New York, the Islanders. Which, I'm going to say right now, all three of those matchups were much better series. Yes. 
And like, uh, especially the Florida series. Oh, yeah. I wish we got more of that. Yeah, the Sunshine State Smackdown. It was fantastic hockey. I didn't even bother watching game three and four. That's how bad this was. Yeah, and I think for myself, just because I was busy, you know, we were outside doing stuff, so I didn't really get a chance to sit down and watch these games. But the only other comment I've got on game one, obviously Nikita Kucherov, two goals, an assist for three points on two shots. Pretty standard game for him. He got two goals on two shots. Looked good. 5-1 Lightning. They're on 1-0. Yeah, the only players that really looked good for Montreal was some of their pickups and like Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki, and Kotak Mane looked good. So it's the pickups and the young guys, as we would expect. Yeah. So do you want to head off and talk about one thing we do have to give credit for, this could have been a closer game if Vasilevsky wasn't playing to an elite level. Because uh, Vasilevsky probably erased one to two goals in this game. Because Montreal was shooting at a two a two point two expected goal rate. Mm-hmm. They only got one. Vasilevsky just erased a full goal by his stellar play. While Carey Price, not great. Tampa was expected to get three. Tampa got four. So he played worse than you would think. Sorry, Tampa got five. Ta- like, Carey Price kind of stunk. Yeah. And that's going to be a major theme for game two. Game two, this was a 3-1 Lightning victory. Canadians goals were scored by Nick Suzuki. Lightning goals were scored by Anthony Shirelli, Brake Coleman, and I actually don't have who scored the third. Andre Pilat. Andre Pilat, thank you. Shots were 43-23 for Montreal. Anthony Shirelli opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Tampa Bay on a blast from the point. Nick Suzuki gets Montreal on the board to tie the game at one with a backhand from the point. Blake Coleman scores on a sliding deflection to make it 2-1 Lightning. And Andre Palat, there it is right in my notes, scores to make it 3-1 Lightning, which would be the final. That Coleman goal was a work of beauty. But Carey Price needed to have at least one of the goals. Probably not the Coleman goal, but definitely either the Sorelli or the Palat goal. Yeah, because he definitely got a... A piece of that shot. Yeah. He got a piece of the shot, but it just went underneath. Yeah. And kudos to Montreal for not deflating there. Because they came out the third, and they played Tampa really hard. They, and this is probably the best game they played in the entire playoffs. They, I think they deserved to win. Montreal had almost four expected goals in this game. Andre Vasilevsky shut the door. Like, he played an incredible game, and uh, somehow Tyler Toffoli and Nick Suzuki... Tyler Toffoli has half an expected goal to his name. Suzuki has one on three brilliant shots, including a post. And, uh, yeah, Vasilevsky stands for him. And I don't even know how... Like, some of those saves were... There were diving saves in there, too. It was fantastic. He put on an absolute clinic in one of the few weak Tampa Bay games we saw this playoffs. Yeah, and obviously, for Montreal, they played a way better game. They played a way better game than the game one. They came up with energy, generated lots of shots. But unlike Tampa Bay, they just couldn't get the bounces to go for them. Yeah, and like this is out of the games that 
Montreal played in this series, this is the one that they truly deserve to win. Yeah, and obviously with a guy like Andre Vlad, Andre Vlad, Andre Vasilevsky, who had 42 saves, a .977 save percentage. Like, this guy is something else, man. Yeah, and he's massive and he's mobile. And I think that he death. This is probably one of the nights that he really earned. Like this night, all of the closeout games is where he earned that con Smythe. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because we've talked in the past about those big mobile goalies. You know, the Rod and Leonard's, the Ben Bishops. Is that usually there's usually a couple of holes which they can't stop. The five hole being the big one. Yeah. Because they're so big, and. For Montreal, really, the only guy I can really talk about, Nick Suzuki, who had a goal on nine shots. I'm not going to lie, a little bit of a fluky goal, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. If you try and backhand it from the blue line, 100%, it's either bouncing off a defenseman, a tip in, or the goalie's just going to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It was a fluky goal, but they all count. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is Montreal earned that earned some luck that game like they played hard the shots were good it's just they could not buy a goal to save their life because Vasilevsky was all over them and it was incredible to watch like it was probably yeah it's probably one of the best goalie performances we've seen in a very long time yeah and obviously uh, I can't remember who it was one of the Tampa blogs a year or two ago they said that Andre Vasilevsky was not even a top five goalie. Jesus. Two years later, they're back to back cup champs. Yeah. I bet that guy wants that hot take back. Yeah, probably, probably. So, do you have any more comments you want to make on game two before we head off into the no. game three? Okay. Game three. This was a six to three Lightning victory. Lightning goals were scored by Tyler Johnson with two, Jan Ruda, Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, and Blake Coleman. Canadians goals were scored by Philip Dandenong, Nick Suzuki, and Corey Perry. Shots were 35-29 for Tampa. Tampa Bay outplayed Montreal throughout the game. The Lightning started off the game dominating, taking a 2-0 lead until Montreal got their game going, getting on the board. However, it wasn't enough as Tampa Bay took over completely to secure a 3-0 series lead. Only first comment I'm going to mention. Yep. I turned this game off once it was 4-1 Lightning. I just said, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm not going to sit here and watch this. Because this was the first playoff... Or, sorry, first Stanley Cup Finals game in Montreal in 28 years. And they played like that. They got their ass handed to them. Well, let's take a look at the shot chart. Let's do it. To see where Tampa Bay got their goals. Now, and you're going to notice something, Taylor. Look at the slot. Yes. Look how much fucking red there. So the red dots on the slot are where Tampa scored goals from. There are five in prime real estate. Now, just for our listeners' sake, because I know this is an audio podcast. Yeah. Uh, Tim has a hockey viz right now. Yep. So Micah Blake McCurdy puts up a lot of great charts, and he, Tim's watching, a, looking at it on his phone, and he was just showing me the slot. He's showing me all the red dots. So, yeah. But, yeah, it was just one of those games where I'm just like, this is embarrassing. I have no dog in this fight, and even I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not watching this. Now, one guy who had a really tough night, and it really goes to show just how good Tampa Bay is, 
Carey Price. Cool. 24 saves and a .828 save percentage. Like, as much as the defense left him out to dry, Carey Price has to get a couple of those. True. Because, yeah, you have to be at least .9. And if Montreal was to have any chance in this series, Carey Price had to steal a game. And this this was the game he needed to steal. Because as soon as they lost at home, it was done. Yeah, and and we'll talk about this in game four as well, because that's just one of the these this is just one of these games where like I said, you can tell the talent difference between the two teams. And like I said about the squash match, this is a prime example right here. Yeah, and the Palat Point Kucherov line just ate them for lunch. He did, but one guy who had a really good game, Tyler Johnson, with two goals on four shots. But, I mean, the other the guy I can really talk about, again, is Andre Vasilevsky, 32 saves at .914 save percentage. Another strong outing for him. But, again, what can you really say about this game? Montreal just dom- shit-kicked. Exactly. I don't think I... No, obviously, I don't know... I don't want to say it was that bad, but it's almost like... Remember when the Sens played the Oilers this past year? Where, on the first two shots, we were down 3 nothing. Yep. It was... It was incredible. And what's funny is... There's so many players on the Lightning that are capable of having a night. And the Tyler Johnson contract is often ridiculed. And the guy just goes... Rings off two goals on beauty shots. Yep. What the fuck? Well, you know what? He will be a great pickup for Seattle. Oh, for sure. He will be the guy going to Seattle for Tampa Bay. And, I mean, yeah, I don't know what more to say, man. Like, I think the only thing to say is that it's so crazy to see those large groups of people in Montreal during a pandemic... Because, you know, you saw it with the Raptors, with Jurassic Park. You saw it with Vancouver when the Canucks were in the finals. You see these large gatherings of people watching a game on a big screen. It's cool, though. It's eh? a very cool thing to see, especially, like I said, with Jurassic Park, when the Leafs did it, when the Canucks did it. But I think it's because we've been through the COVID-19 pandemic for over well over a year and a half yeah. now. So, obviously, it's still such a weird sight to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Do you want to go on to the next game? Where that crowd finally gets something? Absolutely, man. Game four. This is a 3-2 Canadians victory. <sighs> Lightning goals were scored by Barkley Goudreau and Patrick Maroon. Canadians goals were scored by Josh Anderson with two, including the OT winner, and Alexander Romanov. Or Romanov, I guess that's the pronunciation for it on TV. Shots were 34-21 for the Lightning. Josh Anderson opens the scoring. They got 1-0 Montreal on a behind-the-net pass from Nick Suzuki, which is beautiful, by the way. Barker Goudreau gets Tampa Bay on the board to tie the game at 1. Alexander Romanov scores his first NHL goal to make it 2-1 Montreal with a wrister from the point. Patrick Maroon ties in the game, or ties the game with a tap-in. And Josh Anderson gets his second of the night to win the game in overtime. Now, Carey Price stole this. Yes, fucker. he did. Yes, he did. Now, before we do anything, have a look at my notes here, Tim. Okay, as you see, lightning goals. I wrote Goudreau. What does that say? Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow. <laughs> as you remember from The Simpsons. Woodrow. <laughs> Laces up your skates, Gordy. You're going in. Oh my God! But uh, 
I don't know how Carey Price absolutely stoned Kucherov this game because that man threw everything in the kitchen sink at the net. Yeah. You know what? I know. I think for me, and Tampa Bay did outplay Montreal in yeah. this game. The big killer for me from what I was watching, the number of posts they hit. As much as we could talk about Carey Price having a great game, which he did, you know what was the real killer for me in this game? Two, two minutes left to go. Nikita Kucherov right next to the net. Deflected. Beats Carey off the, off the post and out. If he had scored, I was saying this to guys at work, if he had scored that, the game was over. Oh, yeah. It was done. Like, Tampa was winning the cup. Right, That would have won the cup. Here's one thing that I was really unhappy with Montreal. Sure, Romanov, Romanov scores the goal. Mm-hmm. He was... Why is he in this game? He wasn't hitting people. He wasn't moving the puck. He just happened to beat Johnny on the spot on a single play. Yep. Kotek Meni, despite having a rough game three, much better, way better player, and he's benched. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Dominic Ducharme's coaching here. No, but, you know, and we saw it at the beginning of the playoffs when Romanov and Kukadek and Emi and these guys were not playing. Or even Caulfield. Yeah. Caulfield wasn't played. But... Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few notes I do have from this game. Obviously, Carey Price, 34 saves, a .941 save percentage, held Montreal in this game to secure the W. The main guy for me, and this is a guy who's making Mark Bergevin look like a genius. Ta- Josh Anderson, two goals on three shots. Well, he has been their best player this year, like this playoff. He has. And he's been a pickup for Montreal. I've actually been very happy for. As much as we give praise for the Tyler DeFoley signing, the Josh Anderson pickup was I don't want to say a high risk high reward, but you could definitely tell that you're definitely trading talent for size. Well, Josh Anderson he didn't play in Columbus in the 2019-2020 season because of recovery from injury. Before that, in the 2018-2019 season, he was an instrumental part of that sweep of Tampa Bay. And he was a very strong player in Tampa. Sorry, not in Tampa, in Columbus. Mm-hmm. I am very surprised that Jarmo Kekalainen thought that he, he was someone who needed a fresh start. Uh, I might have to talk to someone who watches the Jackets, Jackets a bit more to kind of get the full perspective there. and Because Max Domi was not working out in Montreal. And no. he definitely has not been all those guys that they brought in for fresh starts in Columbus have not worked out no whether it be Patrick Laine Domi Domi yeah and it's a shame right and we've talked so much about the Blue Jackets and we're very happy to see them succeed well not this year not, they bottomed out hard. yeah I know but still it's it's sad right I have to say though the one guy I do want to comment on Shea Weber that as much as we talk about the Kucherov hitting the post, Shea Weber giving Tampa Bay that four-minute power play hitting into overtime. That's stupid. That right there, that would have been a career-defining moment right there if Tampa if Kucherov had scored on that power play. Well, that he, I don't think he would have lived that down. I think the C comes off his chest if they score there. Like that's how egregious that is. Imagine. You take a 
stupid boneheaded penalty. Yep. Four minute power play penalty. Split the guy open too. Split the guy open. And your team gets swept because of it. Can you imagine the infamy in Montreal? He'd be run out of town. 100%. And it's just shame because when you saw him in the penalty box, you saw it on his face. You saw that look of, oh, fuck, Tampa is going to sweep us right here because of me. Yeah. And it sucks because I really like Shea Weber. He's a great player. I don't see him as a bona fide first-year Hall of Famer. He will get it. He will get it. The only thing he's missing is the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And I think for me, Weber is one of those guys that you hate to see stuff like that happen to him. And it would have been sad if Tampa swept him right then and there. Yeah. I don't think he would ever live that down. No. Um, the city of Montreal wouldn't let him. Uh, although, the only player that I thought that really had a good run on the defense in that game was Jeff Petri. Petri has been very good on the defense for Montreal. And the fact that they got him from Edmonton for peanuts 10 years ago is incredible. Yeah. But you know what, though? And you look at some of the deals that Edmonton has made over the years. The players that they had that went on to have success elsewhere is huge. Yeah. You know, you thought Tyler Pitlick was going to be a nobody. Turns around, has a career in Dallas. Jeff Petrie has one in Montreal. Montreal. Jordan Everly really has shined in the island. The only one who maybe has been the exception has been Taylor Hall. Even though Taylor Hall won the MVP of the year. But when, you, but when you look at the teams that ended up with the number one pick <laughs> that he's been with, and that's going to be the legacy. It's not going to be him winning a Hart Trophy. It's going to be him landing team after team, team after team. team first round pick. The number one pick. To be fair. To be fair. This year in Boston, I think he might finally get the respect he deserves because he was fucking dynamite in Boston. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget Curtis Lazaro. Curtis Lazaro. Good run in Boston. He too. did. And I'm, I'm happy that Curtis Lazaro has finally found his footing. Yeah. Um, but I think Taylor Hall, he's going to get a good contract this year because that Boston run, like, end of the regular season into the playoffs, he was electric. Yeah, and to think that they didn't get him for a first. Yeah. They got him for a second and some spare parts. Yeah, and Curtis Lazar turned out to be more than serviceable, honestly. Yep. Uh, well, it's like, Buff, you gotta feel for Buff. And then Toronto decided they didn't want him. Jesus Christ. Although there is talk right now they might go after him in free agency. Yeah, because... money. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what Toronto needs is another score. But honestly, I don't know what Toronto really needs anymore. It's... Uh, Yeah, it's... Well, they need a sports psychologist for Mitch Marner. Well, I guess we've gotten our scheduled Leafs talk through. That's true. (laughs) Let's go on to that last game. Yes, the fifth and final game of the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals. This was a one nothing Lightning shutout Stanley Cup victory, giving them their third cup in franchise history. Lightning goals were scored by Ross Colton. Shots were 30-22 for Tampa Bay. Tampa outplayed Montreal throughout this game. The Lightning came out strong early on and didn't let up throughout. Montreal started off decently, however, were also sloppy throughout the game as the Lightning capitalized, winning their second of back-to-back Stanley Cups in the process. Now, the first two notes I've got on this game, Tim, are on the goalies. 
Carey Price, 29 saves, a .967 save percentage. To me, he's the only reason Tampa Bay did not completely run away with this game. Because there was a lot of great lot chances by Tampa in that game. Although Cole Caulfield hits post yeah. on a power play, and Montreal got decent looks as well. Like they did. Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky shutting out was... Well, we all, I already said everything I could about Van Vasilevsky. He's played fantastic. But yeah, Montreal was slow and sluggish to start the game. Tampa Bay actually got a goal from a pretty unlikely source because the Stamkos line hasn't done a lot this series. Yeah. And it was funny because uh, the commentators were talking about how, yeah, Tampa Tampa is hoping to get something out of the Stamkos line, and rookie Ross Colton does the job. It's true. And you know what's funny? And I was saying this when I was watching this game. is Steven Stamkos is one of these guys who he's not... He's very low in the top five best players on the team. When you have a team that has Hedman, Kucherov, Vasilevsky... Point. And Braden Point? I don't think he's even in the top five anymore. No, he isn't. And that's the thing is that he's just one of those guys that's... Yeah, he's the captain. I hate to say he's just kind of there for me now. Yeah. Then maybe it was five or so years ago when the guy scored 60 points or 60 goals. He hasn't really been the same since the surgeries. No. That's tough. But nobody ever is, right? No. Regardless of whether you're a pro athlete or not. And it's funny. Actually, this is really funny. Uh, The defenseman that Tampa Bay picked up from Columbus. Dave Savard. Dave Savard was involved in this series clinching goal and you know what's funny is that he's another guy ottawa is rumored to be looking into this off season too maybe be good so i mean yeah that's pretty much the only two notes we can really talk about is price the only reason but andre vasilevsky i mean that 22 save shutout performance fourth straight series clinching shutout securing himself a con smythe and a bud light endorsement as well God, Nikita Kucherov. Okay, we gotta talk. Do about you want to? You know what? Let's spend some time and talk about the Nikita Kucherov post-game presser. Can we get a clip of number one bullshit in the in the podcast, just so people know the most commonly said word in this fucking presser? Oh my god! If I can find a clip. Yeah, get that sucker in there. Just put the whole presser in. Uh, no, that someone will <laughs> sue you for that. But you can take just number one bullshit. This this presser is fucking incredible. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. To set the stage for this, Nikita Kucherov walks out. He is not wearing a shirt. There's a butt light at the table. He opens it, drinks the entire thing, sets it down, and then starts going. Yep. They ask him what he thinks about... Vasilevsky getting the con smite and he goes on this big rant on how it's the number one bullshit that Vasilevsky is not regarded as best goalie in the world he then goes on to shit on Habs fans yep in he, the middle of this Habs, he, Habs rant someone brings him a glass bottle he's like that's Bud Light not champagne you know that right that's someone up, that's number one bullshit right here. and then he keeps I love going it. Dude, that was amazing. That was honestly... Oh, it was so good. I don't think I've ever seen something that was as awesome in my life. The only thing that could probably be any better... You have to go back. If you watch some of those old Steve Austin promos from like the late 90s... That's the kind of vibe that I got from this. 
Yeah, like it was only... so good because he's not wearing a shirt and he's drinking beer. He's living his best life. The only thing that's like kind of similar to this is when a uh, freaking I want to say it was Philip Deneau kept coming to uh, press conferences with boxes of pizza and just was eating them during the press conference. Yeah, and then he'd comment on if the pizza was any good. Dude, that's a that's a great ad for pizza. It was just the arena pizza. You know what's funny, though? And even... And one thing that nobody ever commented about with the post-game presser, you know, because Nikudu had the Bud Lights there, yeah. that's like... Remember when Peyton Manning won his second Super Bowl? And during that post-game presser, he started naming, like, three or four products, and he just does endorsements for the rest of time. That's fantastic. Like, he had Papa John's and Budweiser and all these kind of crap, and he got endorsements by them. That's what that reminded me of. Well... This is where Nikita Kucherov gets his Bud Light endorsement because I guarantee you that pe- people who weren't thinking about Bud Light are now thinking about Bud Light. Yes. Like, I don't drink, and I'm thinking about Bud Light. That's true. I'm not even a Bud Light drinker, and even I'm like, yes, buddy. You're just like, yeah, Bud Light, let's go. And then the absolute freaking legend posts a photo on... And here I am talking about Instagram again, of him sitting in a boat with the Lombardi championship trophy that Tom Brady won. And I like how he got it from goddamn Tom Brady. Yeah. And the Stanley Cup in a boat. And the shirt says $18 million over the cap. <laughs> like, I thought so. Summer of Ovi was ridiculous. Oh, the Summer of Cooch. Summer of Cooch Mark II is already gone to ridiculous levels. Dude, yes. Like, it's not the level of the cap... I'm not sure if it's at the same level as the Capitals Rager yet. No. Because, like, we haven't seen... <laughs> Kucherov standing, holding the Stanley Cup above his head in the Rays Stadium. They Where do they play? Uh, Tropicana Field. Tropicana Field. Standing there, holding I, the I cup in such a d- distracting manner that... The cameraman has to adjust his camera angle of an entire baseball playoff game. We haven't gotten to that level yet. It's true. Uh, we haven't gotten. To, <laughs> we haven't gotten to them denting the cup yet. He all, apparently they almost sank the cup. Oh my god, that'd be. And you know what's funny? You and I were talking about this on the way over. That the guy who's like the Stanley Cup holder even tweeted out. He says. Says, yeah, you can throw the Lombardi Trophy, but the Stanley Cup's really heavy. Don't throw that. <laughs> well, someone threw the Stanley Cup off a roof. That was was that Chelios? Vinny Paul from Vinny Pat, Paul, when right. the Stars won the Cup. Somebody threw no, it was Craig Lightwood. He threw it off the roof, <laughs> trying to get it in the pool, and it hit the side of the pool <laughs> and it dented the cup. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for what it, because this is round two for the cap. Oh my god, imagine if Tampa wins a third. Nikita Kucherov? He's, he's well, not no. even going to wear pants to that. Kucherov, professor. he's going to do the complete opposite. He's going to go in front in a suit, sit down with a glass of wine, and just calmly and casually say, how about that three-peat? How about that three-peat? And just get up and walk away. Either that or he's he's doing a Brian five or six. Yes. Yes, he is. You know what's funny? And I was thinking about this... Yesterday. No, was it yesterday? No, it was Friday. Because you and I were talking about this, and I says, "Can you imagine what the Brady to Chuck press would be? It's like sends everyone a cup." 
I don't even know. Or, but I, but what about our sweet German boy, Tim Stutzler? Could you imagine in that sweet German accent, he goes in front of the crowd, he goes, Hey, Ottawa, let's ready to party. Oh my God. Get ready, no, get, no. Hey, Ottawa, get ready to fucking party. Oh my God, breathe Tim Stutzler on a jet ski down the Rideau <laughs> Canal with the cup. Let's go. Who says no first? The city of Ottawa, the National Capital Commission, or Melnick because he can't afford the jet ski. Ooh, what if... Oh, I got it. Uh-huh. Tim Stutzler named a jet ski in the post game. Gets himself an endorsement. He's done. He's done. There we go. See, we're full of good ideas right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, it's like, I just can't wait for this, like for the Senators to actually get good. Yeah. And, like, they're definitely on the track. Because, like, it's a fun team to watch right now. But, man, this ta- this Tampa team, he was so goddamn fun to watch. They were. It's a shame that they're going to get broken up. Or at least they're going to lose Eventually. one or two good players this offseason. It is. But it's like, the core will probably remain intact. Yeah, as long as they are on the right side of 30, they should be competitive for a long time. Yeah, like... What's kind of scary is, like, even after they have to write their cap issues and lose a player to the expansion draft, they are probably still going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the East. Yep. Because, like, even if they lose someone like Cernak or Tyler Johnson, they still have an embarrassment of riches. Well, look at Chicago. Even after their cup runs, they were still competitive for almost half a decade? Well, they got their last cup in 2015, right? Yep. So the next couple of years, like, they were still competitive. They didn't well, go far, but they were They still- got swept in 2017. That's true. Like, we're we're looking at Pittsburgh level of... We haven't won many games, in the, playoff games, in the last two years. Yep. Although, to be fair... To be fair. Tristan, Tristan Jari. Yeah, you, you don't go full Jari. That was really unfortunate. It was. It was no. Honestly, the Nikita Kucherov post game presser was legendary. Get him getting a Bud Light endorsement. That just made him the GOAT right there. You know what was so weird online? What? People complaining that so there was that photo of Carrie Price and Vasilevsky shaking hands and the chest, his chest protector. protector is undone and out. So people are like, Oh, he's cheating, he's cheating. Like, what the hell is this? And but I was just like, Eddie Lacks that's telling about it, I replied. I just thought he was a thick boy. <laughs> and of course, again, Eddie Lack on Twitter. Good lord, man! And like, then someone posted a photo of him, and dude's fucking ripped. Holy shit! I I wasn't expect I was expecting him to be like very muscular, very athletic, but I wasn't expecting him to be like Arnold mode. Yeah, and it's fucking incredible. And like, damn, you keep going, Vasilevsky. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, pumping him full of all those kinds of Russian fucking steroids and shit. No, he probably just works the fuck out. He probably pulls a chara and just, like, rustles a grizzly bear in Russia. Yeah, either that or he found uh, <gasps> Sylvester Stallone's workout no. dead from Rocky IV. He, yes. Yeah, Ivan Drago. <laughs> either that or he wrestles a fucking bobcat. Actually, do you think Zidane Ochara is coming back for another season? Hard to say. It, it's really hard to say at this point. Because he was probably one of the best defensemen on that Capitals team in there. That's uh, sad, too. Unfortunate. When 43 year olds of Daniel Chara is your best defenseman. Well, to be fair, one of the, their best goalie who 
wasn't injured was Craig, 40-year-old Craig Anderson. Beautiful. I'm glad he got to win another I Yeah, game. so do I. And I was very happy. And that's why in our first round recap, that's why I mentioned that too, right? So I do have a couple comments. And this is like a post-game, not really just a post-game uh, presser, but it was kind of after the game. Now, one of the things, one of the memes that came out of the NHL playoffs this year was Jeff Petrie. You know, he had the bloodshed eyes. Yeah. The day, no, sorry, the night they lost the cup, his wife came out and admitted the reason why he had the bloodshot eyes is because he burst the blood vessels in his eyes when he went when he as a result of him passing out they were resetting his pinky that was broken <sighs> the memes were hilarious the best one was from a simpsons shit posting page where if you remember when the simpsons got got a pool yep and lisa's like Dad, you're supposed to put chlorine in the pool every day to clean it, and we put bleach, and that's immediately what the fucking clip that came out of it. Oh, I know. Oh, so good, but no, it is really sad. And Jeff Petrie, that was a shame, man, because and his wife is like, you should have seen it before. But it's like, at least if he can laugh at it too, then that's okay. Exactly. Um, unlike Brendan Gallagher. Now, this is something that came out the day after they lost the Cup. Apparently, Brendan Gallagher, after Game 5 was still in Tampa Bay, he made an Instagram video announcing his place got broken into. God damn. But you know the funny thing, and I rewatched it. Now, I don't know if you got a chance to see no. the video. Okay, so you remember back in the mid to late 2000s when YouTube used to have, like, lyric videos, and it was made in, like... Windows Movie Maker. Oh yeah, and it had like the really weird. F oh yeah, and it had... the Brendan Gallagher video just has like the yep. red fucking font over it. Yes. So it's so it's like this very serious thing, done in like the most bizarre way you can think of. Yeah, and not because he used Pitbull, because if everything's going shit in your life, at least Mister Worldwide is there for you. Yeah. It was so bizarre. Remember when Pitbull was like a big time pop star? Nope. That was weird, man. I remember back in during that period when he came out when, like, a lot of, like, the pop stations were playing songs that were, like, club bangers. Like, you know, you had the Pitbulls, Jason Derulo's, guys like that. Right. And now, and then, like, you had the EDM-inspired tracks, and now it's, like, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish is, like, very deep EDM. Well, it's like I very don't even know. very minimal. Yeah, very minimal EDM. She's she's basically taking what Lord did and just stripping that even down. And even that track was even Royals by Lord was still pretty low key. Yeah, and although it's like bad guy, I think my description of bad guy is haunted mall music because it's very low key, but it's trying to be kind of edgy at the same time. Yeah. And even uh even her even her singing it was the same way, right? It's the There was somebody on Instagram I saw and they says that little baby's music sounds like a Scooby Doo chase scene. And they actually put it together and it sounds so similar and I laughed. I'm like, I don't know who little baby is. I don't care to know who that is. Well, it's just one of those things where I really realize how far from the mainstream I am. Because, yeah. like, 
I'm very deep into kind of the Japanese pop music, so it's just like J-pop. okay. So we're we're getting like maybe some of the Hollow Live tracks, but we're also getting like it's still idol music that's popular. Mm. Yeah, and obviously, I think K. Would, would you say K-pop's more popular? Uh, I think in North America, uh, between K-pop's the two? probably more popular. Yeah, because they had that K-pop group that did that deal with McDonald's. Yeah, it was... BTS? BTS, yeah. Who I have no idea who they are. They are one of the more popular groups. Are and they? they're pretty good. Although Korean pop definitely falls more to R&B. Okay. While J-pop... A lot of J-pop is very electro... Still, it's like very electro-pop. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I'm not familiar with either one of those, so... Yeah, I have some friends who are pretty deep down the K-pop rabbit hole. Uh, I haven't been as deep down the J-pop rabbit hole lately, but you're starting to see more of the R&B influence in J-pop as well. Very true. Now, the last comment I want to make on the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals involves me. Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you get to gloat. I do. I get to gloat quite a bit here. Because, so, some people listening to this, like, are bought at them. Hmm. Hey, bud. So I was in a hockey bracket with Adam and Ricky and Neil and some of the people that we've met through. I've met through podcasting. So we were all in a hockey bracket. There's like 22 of us, including I think Jonathan Torrens and Jeremy Taggart from Taggart and Torrens. Yeah. And both. So anyway, so we had a bracket. And everybody's bracket fell apart completely. Really? Pretty oh, much well, everybody. Yeah, no, that makes sense because a bunch of people probably had Toronto deep. Yep, did I, you had, had Toronto I had Edmonton. I had Edmonton deep because I I did Toronto over Montreal in five, like we predicted. Yeah. Go back and listen to the last like three episodes. You can pretty much guess what what our predictions were. The only prediction that came true, right from the outset. Tampa in five. I picked Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup in five games. I leapfrogged everybody, and I won the bracket. Because there, there had to be people who, like, put Montreal on a bender or something like that. Actually, did anyone put Montreal over Toronto? Nope. Okay. No, all 22 of us picked Toronto. Okay, to be fair, literally be everyone fair, yeah. and their mother picked Toronto. That's true. Yeah, we did. We So did us. But I think for me, the funny thing was, like, I just went, oh my god, I'm going to win this fucking bracket. Uh-huh. And I won it. I oh. won a cool 420 bucks off of it. Nice. Please appreciate the funny number. Yeah. The only thing I could have made it better is 69 cents. You should phone your bracket and be like, hey, can we add 69 cents into the pot? Yes. Do it right now. That's too late okay. now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so right from day one of the playoffs, I had Tampa in five. It came through. I feel a bit dumb for Tampa and Seven now, but I think I I was still wondering how much bullshit Montreal had in them. Yeah, yeah, and I get that part, right? So, and like they actually did look good for the first half of Game One. So like Montreal, and, sorry, Tampa and Seven didn't look unreasonable at first, and then well, I should have finished Game One, but uh, the way the internet I was I was using was going. I couldn't have both the podcast and the game on at the same time. That's true. Uh, that would have been pandemonium. But yeah, no, congrats. Thank you, sir. And uh, you. a sick $420. Yeah, so would you like to know how I spent my 420 bucks? Stutzler jersey? My impulse, Tim Stutzler jersey. So I paid off my credit card with that. 
Nice. Put some money on my line of credit to pay my car off. Nice. And get some adult adulting. Nice. Nice. I'll have to win some money at some... Maybe I'll do a hockey pool next season. Yes. I think the last time I won a hockey... Or came close to winning a hockey bracket when I was 16. Because we did one for the season, and I came second. Because I picked Marc-Andre Fleury over Roberto Luongo. <laughs> it was the 07-08 season when the Canucks missed the playoffs and the Penguins went to the finals. I think that was the... did I told you about the booth drafting story right yep where i did a i did a draft with randos on <laughs> espn and this guy comes in and his i forget what his name was but he just posts booth in the chat takes david booth first overall and just fucking leaves nice. and everyone's like well that was something yeah too bad this is good thing this isn't a snake draft and then just everyone else just drafted normally i know i think i got second and in our playoff, because it was we did a season then playoffs. Right. And in the playoff structure, my first round was against Booth Guy. Nice. And uh, he never came back, by the way. Really? But somehow he beat someone who was actively playing, even though he was not changing his lines. Jesus. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So I guess Booth paid off. Is that going to be, if we do a hockey pool or a bracket, is that going to be your team name? It might be. <laughs> That's is that third line plugs deep lore right there. There's, there's a couple. Yeah, there's that. Uh, what else would it be? That would be deep lore. Would uh, would tank would pup tank count as deep lore? I think so. Oh, I got it. What? The silicone. That's pup tank. Yeah, silicone nuts. Yeah, that's the <laughs> uh, I want it. The, the, the woman who sounded like sugar. Because that's yes! on a different podcast. Oh my god, yes. I totally forgot about that lady. Sugar in, in Lansdowne. In Lansdowne Park, yeah. Go, all the way to go see the adventures. That's amazing. Yeah, there's people what, listening to this, all three of them. Who are just like, what the hell are you two talking about? Yeah, because like... Go right from the beginning. Yeah, go right from the beginning, okay. Oh, this is the first time I've told this story. Okay, so uh, it's 2015 and a bunch of my friends are into the Avengers. and I actually don't give a shit. But I'm just, they're like, okay, we'll do a barbecue. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll hang with you guys, do a barbecue. We did a barbecue. It's like, yeah, we're going to go see a movie. Tim, you're coming with us. Why? And for some reason I went with them. I'm glad I did. Because we're walking into the Cineplex at Lansdowne. Yeah, which by is the football stadium. Which I have seen. Yeah. So we're walking in and this couple is walking out. Uh, the guy is like six foot five beefcake. Okay, you know what's funny about the movie theater in Lansdowne? Yeah. When I was in Ottawa, uh, what was it? Rise of the Skywalker, I think was in theater. <laughs> I legit thought about going to see it. Because I'd seen I saw The Force Awakens. Rogue One, which... Eh. Oh, it would have been The Last Jedi. Last Jedi. It was 2017, right? 2018. That was their 2017, so... Oh, right, no, it was 2017. Yeah, yeah so it would have been uh, Last Jedi. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch that movie. Good. Yeah, Anyways, sorry. Continue. But, uh, okay, so this dude is 6'5", beefcake, and his girlfriend, I think, I didn't get a great look at her, 
she was about five foot. Okay. Like, shorter than Chelsea. Ooh, okay. And um, my wife is, like, four, five foot three, I think. Uh, anyway. Give or take. Give or take. Anyway, so we're walking by, and uh, this woman, she just says in this really high-pitched voice, I want it rock hard. I want it raging. And uh, I just start giggling, and my friends are like, what the fuck are you laughing at? I'm like, did you not see this couple? No, what's wrong? Yeah, like, it, she could give the guy a blowjob standing, but what? what is it? Okay, so she just said, I want it rock hard. I want it raging. And they're just like, Pfft. and I remember telling this story, and Adam is dying in his chair yes. as I'm telling it. As, as so am I. Oh, good lord. And you know what's hilarious? A few weeks after that, he actually tweeted us a picture of Sugar from YTV. Yeah, because, like, the wood looks like Sugar. She sounded like Sugar from YTV, so uh, anyone who was uh, a kid around, like, 2000 to 2003, uh, go back, going back to the zone. She was the zone host, and she was tiny. Like I, and uh, she also did the voice for Chibi Moon, uh, like the little pink-haired girl in Sailor Moon. So okay. like her voice acting skills is for like that very high-pitched voice. So of course there was a rumor going around that Sugar from YTV did a bunch of porno. Mm. Uh, it's not real. She didn't. But it's like the, allegedly, yeah, allegedly, and like if you Google her name, you'll see did she do porn? Like that's how common of a fucking thing this is. And no, she did not. You looked it up, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> because it'd be funny. Yeah, private tab. Yeah. Private tab. No, no, we public tab that one. Oh, I'm risque, <laughs> but uh, you like to live dangerously. I do live dangerously, Mr. Powers. That's a two. He's like five. I suggest you hit, sir. I also like to live dangerously. Whips <laughs> loses. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie. Okay. Uh, we really got off there. We did. But you know what, though? Because this is our final episode. Technically, if you want to include season... All stuff from season four. This is it. Yeah. The 2021 season is officially over. It was a weird season. It was. You could definitely tell that as the games went on, we were getting less and less into them. There, like until like the end when the sends actually the play really started to pick up. Between that and the sends sickos. Yeah. Oh my god. What would you say is, is that? Do you think sickos is going to be our new fan base nickname? Uh, until if the team isn't good, I think it will be. If the team's actually good, then I think since Twitter will move to something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, the road ahead is we have a lot of shit in quick succession. Yep. So, like, we have expansion draft is in a week and a half. Free Then we have the entry draft. And then free agency is pretty quick on the heels of that. Yeah, so we've got three episodes coming up here very quickly. And then... I guess we're going to have a bit of a lull. Well, we still have to do our top five good things, bad things from the season. Uh, yeah. We won't, There won't be a Hall of Fame episode. I was going to say, season. I think, did we... Uh, I don't know. I mean, do we re, do, do we really need to do that, though? Uh, I guess not. we already done our season recap, right? Yeah, With, uh, that's Canuck. pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I think those are the three big episodes we got to do. Other than that... 
Yeah, maybe. we're really undecided right now. We're, we're not sure what we're going to do. We might do an interview. We might do another summer episode because come the fall, we've got a we got a big. It's going to be a big push. Big like, episode coming. Se- September, right? And I, I would say it's September. September is a pretty pretty big, good guess. Yeah. Because if you remember when we did our season preview show, I think we could probably announce. Oh, okay. It's coming back. Oh, no. Is that coming back? It might be coming back. It might be coming back. Maybe we talk to some other people, Tim. Ooh, fancy pantsy. Yeah, no Canadian teams this time. Other than the three out of our division. We have to get a Sabres fan in. I got it. Actually? I've got one in mind, yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, if you ever... There's a uh, somebody on YouTube called Melanie Martin. She, oh, she does she's a, good, she's good. She is, she's really good. And I've, I think... Did I ever mention that comment when she posted her... Um, when the pandemic first happened? She posted a video called Sports I Miss You. She did, there was a Rolling Stones song... Uh, I think it's called I Miss You from like the mid-late 70s. Oh, okay, yeah. I won't miss you. Yeah, she yeah. did one about sports. And there was like... And I was getting really into the song, really into the song. And then... There was the clip of Jason Palmonville dancing around Alfie and sliding home for the series winner. And I commented, I put it in the comments, I said, you know, I was getting really into the song until I think it was 249 happened. <laughs> but it, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We, you know, we, Alfie redeemed himself the next year. And like the next day I get a response from Melanie Martin going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it reminds me of the time that I met Somewhat head of a expo at sorry not I met SacraCon I met someone whose boyfriend was a Buffalo Sabres fan so I was like chirping him through her and it was really funny. Oh, I remember that story. I think you mentioned that. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah, the, the third line plugs deep lore. Yep, it's just kind of all over the place. And you know honest. what's funny about our deep lore, Tim, is that it's so deep even even we kind of forget about it at times until until now about sugar and the Sabres fan at SacraCon. But yeah, no, Silico I... Silicone nutsack injections. Silicone Are we going to have to have Kelly back on? Yes, we're yes. going to have to try and get her back. <laughs> if she accepts our calls. Although, can you imagine if we get Shackles back on? I was using Zoom and not Skype. Oh, it would work. Dude, I think that might just blow his mind. Will we tell... Will he Will, will he learn about the silicone nutsacks? Shackles will never come back <laughs> at that point. That would have, I think, pushed a little too far. Yeah. I don't even remember why I brought up that story in the first place. I don't know why. And I sat here and my jaw literally hit the table. I'm like, did did he just say that? Like, the man died because he got too much silicon in his nuts? <laughs> Alright, I think we should close this one out. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps it up for the 2021 season. Now, do you have any comments you want to make before we head off into the close? Not that I could think of. Uh, I just think we had a good season. Uh, we Like, our charity drive good stuff yep. sends were fun to watch these playoffs up until the end were they were good yep uh i'm not gonna miss the divisional format no no it'll be good to go back to the conferences and go back to having to play more than the oilers 14 times a season i can't i can't do another year where the oilers are up three nothing on two shots is it weird that i'm looking forward to the sends playing the bruins I think it's crazy that I'm looking forward to seeing the Sens play anybody that isn't in the North Division next year. To see them. I will personally sit here and be very appreciative when we have to play 
say Tampa, Tampa, or the New York Islanders, or fuck even the Seattle Kraken on a Tuesday night, knowing they will probably beat us. But man, it'll be good hockey. It'll be different hockey. It will. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is fm 91 honeybadger I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-A-T-E-Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals, or you just want to shoot us an email to give you give us some of our third line plug deep lore, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Tim Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. <laughs>